Well, turn to, turn to your neighbor and say, rest and possess. Now, you know, sometimes those words don't seem like they go together, do they? Rest and possess. You think if you're going to possess, you're really going to have to do something, work hard. But, but I want to show you something in the Word of God that he's been showing me. And uh, the other day when uh, Caleb and Sarah were here, we were in Joshua. And I just want to give you this real quick, and then it'll help you understand why I'm sharing this message tonight. And I'm going to share uh, the other part of it next week. But this is what it says. Um, it's talking about in the order to cross the Jordan. Everybody say cross the Jordan. We've heard it's a new season. We've heard living outside the box. You know, there's things that God is requiring of us. Uh, they're exciting. Everybody say exciting. But we've got to find our way in that. You know, when God does a new thing, we don't always have all the information that we need. In fact, when the children of Israel crossed over the Red Sea, the word of the Lord said, you've not been here before. Everybody say, not been here before. And so God sent his presence out ahead of them, and then he marched them through that sea. It said, I saw this when uh, Caleb was preaching. It says in verse 13 of uh, Joshua 1, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. Now he's talking to the, the two and a half tribes that already have their land, but they're going to have to cross over with everybody else until they get the land subdued, and then they get to go back to that land that they already have. But this is what stuck out to me. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Now, we know, if you know the, the book of Joshua at all, they did have to fight to get that land. There were battles that they faced. So I asked the Lord that day, rest and possess? You know, what does that mean? And, and I believe over the last few weeks, God's really been speaking to me about it. But if you'll turn tonight to Matthew 11, and uh, I, I think that the Lord wants to give us revelation on what it means to rest. You know, rest has a great power associated with it if we understand what it means. And uh, in the world we're living in today, there's anything but rest. I would say that unrest is prevailing in the lives of most of the people that are maybe where you work, where you live, maybe even at your house on some days. Uh, there's not a lot as much rest as you'd like there to be. And anytime you're going into something new, anytime that there's change, anytime God is making a move in your life that's different than the way you've lived, there can be unrest. Everybody say unrest. And if we don't get a, an understanding of that, we'll make a mistake. God showed me that people make mistakes when they're not in rest. That puts them in a position where they're always trying to find out. How many of you have heard messages and then you go try to find out what that means? Like, oh, I'm supposed to live outside the box. Well, then you start searching for what that means. When you're in rest, you are waiting to hear from God and what he's going to say. When you're searching, sometimes your mind can get all mixed up with a lot of information. How many of you have ever had that happen? And then you don't know if God said, you said, the devil said, or your food you ate was bad. You're not sure what it is, but then you get confused, and when there's confusion, there's every evil work, the Word of God says. So I believe it's really an important thing that we need in our lives, and it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You know, you can become heavy laden even with good things. You can become under a weight even trying to do the things that you think God's trying to tell you to do. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your rest for your. Now, your spirit is never out of rest. Your spirit man does not wake up in the morning and, and, and wonder what's going to happen. 
But your soulish realm, you know, your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. Everybody say emotions. Emotions will lie to you. You're just looking at me. How many of you know your emotions do lie to you? And, uh, in fact, the Lord gave me a message once that said emotions are deadly. You know, those feelings that we feel and things that come. Our flesh, all of that realm where we have to live every day, he says you will find rest for that part of your life. And then it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, uh, rest is to stop, to cease, to end, secession from toil, uh, refreshment, it says, or intermission. How many of you like to take an intermission? <laughs> How many of you like to take an intermission in life? <laughs> okay, I'm on intermission today. <laughs> Don't anybody say anything to me. I'm, I'm on intermission. And, uh, you know, intermission is when you go and drink a pop at the ball game and, you know, get your popcorn and you take a little break. Well, God wants us to live in that state 24-7 at rest. Everybody say at rest, at rest. And in Genesis 2, it says God rested. I mean, even God himself rested. It says on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Do you know in the old covenant, this was so important to God that it was called the Sabbath rest. And the children of Israel ended up ultimately in very deep trouble with God for not taking the Sabbath rest. They ended up in Babylon for 70 years, and it was because they didn't take the rest. Everybody say rest. So obviously rest is a pretty important thing when it comes to what God is saying in his word. And then it says in in Hebrews chapter 10, that Jesus sat down. Everybody say, sat down. It says he sat down at the right hand of God from that time. After he, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, he said it is, it is what? Finished. It's finished, and he sat down. That has a whole lot to do with why we walk in rest. But tonight we're going to talk about Old Covenant a little bit. And in the Old Covenant... God was a God who wanted his people to rest. Well, how could people rest? Think of the children of Israel. One night they get up and they're going to leave. They're going to leave everything. They're going to go out to where they don't even know. And we're not talking about a few people. This is a huge crowd of people led by one man into a place they had never been before. And they're supposed to rest. Everybody say rest. (laughs) Now, this may not apply to you. God may not be telling you to make a big move. But he may be telling you to make a move. He may be telling you to make a change. But in that change, you can be at, at rest. And this, is, this, I believe, is what God wanted me to share with you. The rest of God is not a rest based on circumstances. It's not based on if everything's going all right at your house. It's not based on do you have enough finances to do what God said. It's not based upon whether you're having a struggle in your life, in an area of your life. Rest is an inward thing that God gives us that as it grows on the inside of us and we walk in that rest that's been made for us through Christ, then we begin to, to in our life, exude a restful state. Everybody say a restful state. Now, I can preach on this. Because I need it, hallelujah, so you can be with me tonight and join in. Whenever God gives me a message, and all the times I've preached, all the times, I needed the word myself. And that's how I get the word, is because I get in a place where I'm praying, and God shows me something. And, you know, I'm in this little book, God put it in my hand, Irrepressible Hope. 
Now, the reason I needed irrepressible hope is because I needed irrepressible hope. <laughs> Did you get that? Hallelujah. Now, if I need irrepressible hope on a given time of my life, I'm sure you do too. Oftentimes when you make changes, you don't know what's going on. Everybody say hope. The Bible says hope in God. But, you know, there are things that give people rest. Everybody say rest. Now, radiating hope is this little story, and I'm going to read it to you because I just, when I read it, I thought of my sister. Because my sister, Chris, uh, she doesn't do this anymore, but it used to be she slept even with her makeup on just in case we had an emergency in the night. And she did not want to leave the house without her makeup on. And uh, so when we'd travel, she always had her makeup on. I mean, her pillow looked like she had been in a fight with something orange. (laughs) Hallelujah. When she'd wake up in the morning, I mean, there was makeup everywhere. And she'd jump out of bed, run in, take that makeup off, put her other makeup. I never saw her without her makeup on. And, uh, and, And so it was real important. And I read this story. It says... There was this woman, her name was Lisa, she was a single mom in Texas, and, and she said, I'll have to admit, I've been rather vain all my life. Uh, it's always been important to me to have my nails done and my hair styled. If that makes you vain, I'm, I'm one of them, too. So here it says, I'm one of those silly women who wouldn't think of stepping outside even to pick up the newspaper without putting my makeup on first. It's ridiculous, I know, but it's just the way I am. And as long as I can remember, even after the kids came along, my daily routine has been to head right for the shower the minute I get in, up in the morning, put my makeup on, blow dry my hair, and then head for the kitchen to start the coffee. And so she said this practice changed the day her daughter's tumor was diagnosed. Her daughter, they found, had a tumor, and, and they took her from the hospi- right from the doctor's office to the hospital. The operation took several hours, lasted until after midnight. The weary mother spent the night pacing the floor of the waiting room outside intensive care, and it was nearly noon the next day before she was able to see her daughter again. When Brittany awoke her daughter and saw her anxious mother standing there, her clothes disheveled and her hair unkempt, her mascara smeared and her cheeks colorless, Brittany's eyes filled with fear. Mama, am I going to die? The girl asked. Although her daughter's prognosis wasn't at all certain, Lisa hurried to reassure her, oh, no, honey, you're, you're going to get better. I'm sure of it. Later, a nurse came out of ICU waiting room and gently took Lisa aside, the mom. Brittany seems sure she's going to die, the nurse told her. And as strange as it seems, apparently it's because you aren't wearing your lipstick. Everybody say, be at rest. Well, it isn't just lipstick, because Lisa said back to her, what are you talking about? She said, well, it isn't just your lipstick. I hope you won't mind my saying this, the nurse continued a little hesitantly, but Brittany told us, I know I'm dying, because my mother would never be seen in public looking like that, unless something really, really awful was happening. It says Lisa, who at that moment had lost all interest in wearing makeup and didn't care if her hair was ever combed again, dropped her head and, and went home. It says she went home, took a shower, got a little rest, put her makeup on, fixed her hair, went back and saw her daughter, and her daughter was assured, I'm going to be all right because mom looks the same as she always does. Amen? See, when we're in rest, when we're in rest, we're saying we're confident that our God is doing what he said he was going to do. And there's something about that in our lives that not only brings peace maybe to somebody else, but it really says we're dressed with rest. And that rest is not based on the circumstance that we find. Now, you know, I had to go with my dad Friday night 
to the hospital. And I can assure you, I had no makeup on. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. I sat in a chair till 6.30 in the morning with him, and I really didn't care about my makeup. But the one thing I kept saying to my dad was, because he would say to me, I think I'm slipping. I would say, you're not slipping. You're not slipping. You're going to be just fine. It's freezing cold in here, and you're just tired, and we're going to get this figured out. Everybody say, stay the same. See, rest says I have confidence in God no matter what I'm seeing or feeling or going through that my God promised me. Everybody say, promised me. He promised me long life. He promised me he'd always be with me. He promised that he would walk with me through whatever I walked with. So, therefore, my rest is in my dependence upon him being there and not what I see. Amen? And so I want to show you tonight, um, it's, it's very important where you are living right now, especially for the things God's getting ready to do. And if you're going to live outside the containment of a box, that means you're going to live outside circumstances. You're going to live beyond what God has said you're going to live beyond. And in my life, I know there's new things that God is speaking in my life. I don't see them. But he said to me one day, if you don't start believing me, you will never see them. And reminded me of Hebrews chapter 3. Now, the children of Israel were God's children. They were promised by God that he was going to take them to the promised land. The promised land was a promise that God made clear back when he started with Abraham, moving him out of his father's house into a place that God said was called the promised land. Everybody say promised. And that's very important. But it says in in Hebrews chapter 3, uh, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. When Pastor John said he's going to teach on the heart, see, uh, uh, a hardened heart, a heart, a hardened heart is a heart that's been hardened because of sin. Everybody say sin. And those are places where we're missing it. So if God is going to examine our hearts or take us for four Sundays through hard attitudes, isn't that right, Pastor John? attitudes of the heart, then what he's going to do is make sure our hearts are synced up to what he's doing so that we can walk into this place that God's going to take us to. And the children of Israel failed to do what God gave them to do, get into the land of promise, because they hardened their hearts when God said, go. They hardened their hearts, they rebelled, they stopped. And so it said in in chapter 4, therefore, since a promise remains... Of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. In other words, to, to, the, to the children of Israel now as well as in the Old Covenant. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. So, you know, if you're believing, you are in rest. That, that's what this says. We who believe do enter that rest, as he said, so I swore in my, in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works, everybody say the works, were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, right here, it's talking about, because he goes on and says, and he has spoken a certain place the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from his works, and again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. From all that, this is, this is the truth. God says... We believe, we enter into rest, and God does. Are you getting that? God says, we believe, and we believe what God says, and in doing that, we enter into a rest. It's called the rest of faith. It's believing 
Faith is simply believing that those things which we cannot see are real because God said so, and they are seen by God and us because we see by the eye of faith and not what we see in the natural. And so when it says that we're in this place, they failed to mix what God told them. What did God tell them? You're going to the land of milk and honey. You're going to the promised land. They heard that. I'm going to show you in a second how many times they heard that. But it says they didn't mix that word with faith. How do we know that? Because when they got there and they saw the promise, they saw that it had milk and honey, they saw what God said was true, in that place they got out of rest and got into fear and started believing what they saw in the natural instead of what God had told them. And they did not get the promised land. Everybody say the promised land. Now, when you're moving, see, the children of Israel were moving. They were moving through a place that they had no idea where they were, and they had never been there before. They had been taken out of their comfort place. I want you to go with me just real quickly, and we're going to look at some scripture. Genesis. Now, this is, this is not, you know, not very far into the Bible. Genesis 15. Uh, in Genesis 12, God has told Abraham, you're coming out. And in Genesis 12, 7, he says to him, when he walks through the land, he says, right then to your descendants, I will give this land. He says that to him. I will give this land. Everybody say, that was the promise. That was the promise. And so in Genesis 15, this is what it said. He makes this covenant. He's making a covenant in Genesis 15 with Abraham. Now, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return and for um, the iniquity of the Amorites is not complete. And he goes on and he talks about, he's, he's, he goes through this uh, covenant ritual, which I don't have time right now. And he says on verse 18, and on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, the very first covenant that he cut with Abraham, he made this covenant. To your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenites, the Kenezites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, uh, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites. That almost sounds like throw up, doesn't it? And the Jebusites. Okay. In other words, all these ites are going to be in this land. He even gives them a description of what they're going to face. But he says, I will give you this land. Everybody say, I'll give it to you. That's what he said. I will give you the land. Now, if you go over to uh, Genesis 17, 8, he said, and I will establish my covenant between you, me, you, and your descendants after you and that generation for an everlasting covenant to be your God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land. Everybody say, the land. So he says it again to him. Now, the one thing that he does say back in... Um, Chapter 15, he says to Abraham, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Everybody say Egypt. And will serve them and they will afflict them for 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, this is really important. This is a God who's telling them what happens when Moses takes over. Now, we got a long way to go in between here. I mean, we got Abraham, we've got Isaac, we've got Joseph, who ends up actually getting them to that land because of a famine. God brings them to that land. They become prosperous in the land of Egypt, and then the Egyptians get jealous of them, and then the Egyptians end up not 
treating them right. And then finally God in Exodus chapter 3 in the Bible says, Moses, I need you to go get my people and get them out of that land. Exactly what he told Abraham. 400 years are going to be there, but then I'm going to get them out. And then he told Moses and tell them to go to their neighbors and get all of their good stuff so that when they leave, they take all their neighbors' good stuff. That's what he told Abraham way back here. See, when God says rest, he says rest because he has already decided how it's going to be. That's exactly what it says in Hebrews. From the beginning of the world's foundation, God knows the way he wants it to be. Now, does it always turn out like that? I guess not because we had Adam and Eve and they didn't do the right thing. But did that change God's, I mean, did God just give up and let it all go down the tube? No, he had another plan. Everybody say another plan. And he tells that plan. It's no different today in your life. Every one of us sitting here, God has something he's speaking. How many of you in here right now know God's speaking something to you? How many of you know when, when, when Pastor John says, you know, we're going to get out of the box? How many of you are just saying, yes, I'm, I want out, I want out? And then God says, do this, and you go, ah, yeah, 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 Just like he said on Sunday. Well, that's where rest, see, once God says it, it isn't about what you see. It's about what God said. And God said, you're going to go. You are going to go into the promised land. Now, we know it took forever to get to the promised land. But I want to give you just a couple of other scriptures where he said, look at Exodus 3, verse 12. This is what he said to Moses when he showed up at Moses' door. This may be like he shows up at your door. It says, but Moses, uh, he said to, to Moses, um, come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel of Egypt. And Moses said, who am I to do that? And in verse 12, he said, I'll be with you. See, that's, that's not very much to go on. But that's what God said to him. I'll be with you. Then he went on and said, go gather the elders of Israel and tell them this. I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perez. What does that sound like? What he said to Abraham, he is still going to keep that promise. He is still going to keep the promise he has made to you. Daniela, he has made a promise to you, you and your family. Now, if your mother's moving here, we need to rejoice. We're not going to think about what that could mean. We're going to think about what God said. See, that's where we get it. You know, God says he's going to do something. And then we know he begins to do it. And then we think, oh, brother, that is not going to work at all. I mean, I was hoping somebody else would help him. I mean, I wasn't praying for me to be the one to help him. And we get all out of rest. And you know what happens? God won't move. Then we get into confusion because God does not move in unrest. In other words, if, if we look at the rest of this, Moses told the people they started moving. They moved toward that land. But they made the final decision. They got out of rest in the promise of God. That's what it said. They did not mix faith with the word of God. And when we get to Numbers chapter 14, we see the culmination of that attitude. That attitude brought them to the place of walking into the promised land in, what was it, 11-day trip that took 40 years? I don't want to wait 40 years, and I know you don't want to wait 40 years, and I'm sure God doesn't like waiting 40 years. But God says to us, enter into the rest. Everybody say rest. Right. And the rest came with Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. It's okay. We can do it. They, d they weren't looking Anything at what they saw, they were looking at what they knew. God said they could do it. They had heard 
all these promises. And you can go through the word of God and you'll see all these promises that God made him over and over. If you look in the scripture, you will see where he says, I'll give you the land. I'll give you the land. I'm going to give you the land. He continued to say it. Then when he brought the children out of Israel or out of the uh, wilderness, and, and I think Caleb spoke on this, you've dwelt long enough on this mountain. You think, well, maybe he changed his mind. Well, he didn't. He said, I'm going to take you. See, this is the next, this is two verses later. I have set the land before you go in and possess the, the land. God does, does not change his mind. He's waiting on a people who walk in the rest that says God said it and he's going to do it. Now, that is an attitude. That is a way we act not on just the inside but on the outside. And in the body of Christ, I believe that's going to make us totally different in the day we're living in. That's a confidence that we don't gain from what the world's doing. We gain that from what God has said. The Bible says, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So what is happening in the economy? I am a total rest. You know, I heard Brother Copeland say once, I'm not participating. I'm not participating. If we have a recession, I'm not going to participate in it. You know what that means? I'm at rest with my God, and he said he'd supply all my needs. So I'm not participating in that. That's a, that's a, a big statement there because participating means that we either are going to walk in rest or we're going to get in unrest and be where all the world is. You know, we, we need to know what's going on in the world, but we need to know it so we can direct it the way we want it to go. And I know that seems impossible, but I believe in this last day we're going to get to see God answer what we say in mighty ways in people's lives. And this is not the time to enter into unrest and doubt and unbelief because we're going to miss what God is getting ready to do. This last day revival that God's going to do has awesomeness written all over it, but it's going to be a reflection of who he is. The world is going to go to Jesus because they're going to see him. They're going to see his works. And this comes when we don't get into that place where we're walking in unrest. Then when we get over to um, Deuteronomy, let's look in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. This is is what the Lord uh, says in Deuteronomy chapter 12. Now, this is the newer generation that's going in. It says, but when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God has given you to inherit, and he gives you rest. Everybody say rest. From all your enemies. How many of you have some enemies? I mean, they look like enemy. The devil is your enemy. But how many of you know you meet with resistance in some things? And it tries to take your rest. It tries to cause you to get your eyes off of what God said. I will give you rest from your enemies roundabout so that you dwell in safety. Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And then he goes on and talks about that's where you'll bring the offerings. And that's where you'll make your vows to the Lord. How many of you want to dwell securely? It's a place in here. It's not a place where you live. It doesn't matter what is happening in your circumstances. Even if you're the one that made the mistake that got you there. You can have rest in that place because God is still God in your situation, and he still will bring you through. So when it gets to Joshua, you know, the very last thing is here's Joshua who's going to actually have to be the one to go into the promised land. And God says the same thing to him that he said to Abraham, that he said to Moses, I am with you, and you will possess the land. He has never changed what he says they're going to do. You know, I believe in every one of your lives, there's a place where just like this, you know, my husband said to me the other day, you know, 
Joshua, Joshua became God's choice because Moses didn't, didn't pass the test. There was a place where Moses said he got angry. He got out of rest. Everybody say got out of rest. I mean, he didn't do what God told him to do. And that was Moses. It says in the last chapter, this is what it says about Moses. So it doesn't have to do with how we are. It has to do with the fact that we'll obey God. And that's what we do when we rest. And it says that Moses, uh, whom the Lord knew face to face in all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt before Pharaoh and uh, before all his servants in all the land and by all the mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Moses was an awesome man of God. But Joshua is the one who had to take it into the promised land. I'll tell you this. When we came here to this church in 1989, the Lord told my husband, you can go or I'll get somebody else, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to build this church. So what's about to happen right now in this church, in your lives, it, it's God is going to use you in, in your situation or he's going to send somebody else because God never gives up on what he's going to do. When we stay in rest, when we stay in that place of it's going to happen. How many of you in your lives have things right now that look like, you know what, if it doesn't happen, I'm going under. If God doesn't come through, yeah, yeah. And see, what, what's going to happen as you walk through that till you get to the other side, there is going to be opportunities to be in a place of not resting. And the resting can never be in what the circumstances are. If you, if you look, Joshua finally gets ready to go, and this is what it, he gives him the same talk that he gave Moses. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Moses, none, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to which I am giving. Everybody say giving. giving. He's still trying to give them the land. <laughs> Hallelujah. What's he still trying to give you today? You know, I, I've thought about that in my life. What is he still trying to give me that I'm really not getting this, God? You know, I think God understands when we miss it, but it's when we become stubborn. Everybody say stubborn and rebellious, and we, and we stop counting on God. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as, again, the river Euphrates. Didn't he say, well, didn't we hear river Euphrates way back there with Abraham? And to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong. Be of good courage. And then over in verse in verse 15, it says, uh, he's talking about, You shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the Lord has given your brethren rest. Everybody say rest. There is a rest that finally comes that is a rest where the work is done. And then you sit down. But in the process of getting from Abraham to Joshua, you don't sit down. You cannot sit down. But you walk and rest. You keep going. See, Abraham had to keep going. Isaac had to keep going. Joseph had to do his part. Everybody had to keep going, not until they got into the promised land did they finally get the rest and it says at the end of joshua not a word of the lord failed not one word of the lord failed 
I'm telling you tonight, not one word of what you've heard is going to fail. But many of you are going to have to walk through a place of unrest. And I believe what God is saying, I believe this church is going to walk through places of unrest. Anytime there's change, there is unrest. Because people are having to step into things they have never stepped into before. But the key is that we remain in rest. That we stay in that place. And next week, we're going to talk about Jesus. Once, once you hear what Jesus did, there is no reason for anybody sitting in the covenant we're sitting in to ever be. I mean, we're already in the promised land. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm already in. I mean, we're already in the promised land of rest. But what is it tonight in your life that's causing unrest? What, what is that threat the enemy is making in your life that it's causing that unrest in your life? That's the thing that God tonight wants to put a stop to. You know, uh, maybe, maybe you've lost a job, and he's saying you're not ever going to get another one. Well, I have a job. I work for the Lord. Whether I'm working at the grocery store or whether I'm working at my job, I'm always working for the Lord. I'm not out of work. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm never out of work. I mean, I've got an assignment. And I walk in rest till I, in that place is where you hear God. We're going to talk about that next week. If you are in unrest, you will never hear what God is saying. Because in that place is confusion and every old word. Only when you're resting do you hear what God is saying. Would you stand with me tonight? I want to pray for you. I believe there's some of you tonight that have really, uh, you, you are in situations where there's a lot of unrest. Uh, if unrest isn't dealt with, there will be marriage problems. There will be children problems. There will be job problems. There will be problem problems. Amen? Because all of us face situations in our life where there can be unrest. But when you know what God has said, when you know what God has said to you, then you know where you're going. And I can promise you, God said, I know the plans I have for you. Lori said it up here. They're for good and not for evil. They're a future and a hope. You say, but I don't know what they are. You don't have to know what they are. Just rest in the fact that God has a plan. And then when he gives you the plan, then you begin to rest in the plan. But we're never out of rest because it's already been established. If God be for me, who can be against me? And I am at rest. Peace be still. Amen. Father, in the name of we hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.